of River City Church Podcast. We're glad you're listening. We believe this message will be encouraging and timely. To connect with us, find us on social or at rivercitychurch.co. Genesis 18 is where we're going to be tonight. Uh, Message is hosting heaven. I told you I might do that as kind of a series from last week. I, I don't know if that recorded. We had some issues for a couple of weeks with our, uh, our the, the enemy didn't like those messages. So <laughs> we were having some flash drive problems or we just had bad flash drives. So, uh, but anyway, but uh, we have, uh, we, we continued kind of this theme that I, I started last week when we talked about chain breakers and, and how Paul and Silas, even in the midst of prison, as they were persecuted for preaching the gospel, preaching Jesus, actually, uh, they were in particular thrown in prison because they, uh, uh, they, they ran out of business, all the fortune tellers, because they cast demons out of people. So, <laughs> they, they, so they, they uh, robbed them of the ability to make money. And uh, so, but uh, it was so cool how uh, they, while they were in prison, they began to worship and they began to pray and they changed the environment. Sometimes we're thermometers instead of thermostats as Christians. We're reacting to the environment. We're complaining about the environment, the culture, the, the times we're in, the things around us, and we're complaining about people, but we're not called to just react to the environment. We're called to change it, and that's, that's being a thermostat. That's, that's setting the climate of the room, and those guys did that, and God's presence showed up in a powerful way. Today, we're in Genesis 18, uh, looking at the story of Abraham, and I referred to this during our Favor in Your Field series because of the definition of favor we found in it, but I want us to go to this. Genesis 18, uh, beginning in verse 1, it says, the Lord appeared to Abraham by the terebinth trees, or oak trees, of Mamre, as he was sitting there in a tent door in the heat of the day. And so he lifted his eyes, and he looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them. He bowed himself to the ground, and he said, My Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under this tree. And, and I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. And after that, you may pass by inasmuch you've come to your servant. And they said, do as you have said. So verse 8, he took butter and milk and the, the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree as they ate. Now, it's not really clear from really what he said, uh, that he's recognizing that this is a divine encounter quite yet, but it actually is. And one of these is, is what theologians call a, a theophany, an appearance, a manifestation of God. Uh, and, and so some even believe that this would be a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. But, but here's the picture. Uh, he's encountering the Lord himself. And so he's, he's welcoming uh, guests as, you know, in their culture, they were very hospitable and uh, welcoming. And so he's, he's watching as he's He's resting in the day. He sees three guests come along, and he says, don't, don't pass by. I want you to come, and I want to prepare a meal for you. I want you to have refreshment. I want you to have rest. And, and he's reaching out to them, and he's about to have a God encounter. And this actually is the Lord on his way uh, to what's going to be a very serious moment in, in biblical history, the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah. But before this takes place, uh, he stops by the tent of Abraham. And uh, Abraham says, if I've found favor in 
your side. As we saw a few weeks ago during the Favor in Your Field Sunday morning series, this word favor is the first appearance of favor in the Bible. Uh, and the, the Hebrew word for favor here means literally the, the root of it is to encamp with. And so the picture of favor is that, 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 especially when it comes to favor with God, God encamps with you. That there's friendship, relationship. Uh, you can even say intimacy with God. There's a, a greater depth than most people experience just attending church, just going through motions, just uh, being a member of a religious tradition, but they actually know and walk with God. And so this is the invitation is Abraham does something very special. He invites the Lord to come and sit at his table. It just like God invites us to his. God has a place for every person, no matter where they've been, no matter what they've done. There's a seat at the Father's table. Jesus made a way for us to be forgiven of our sin and restored to relationship with God. And so that's what God invites all of us to. We were orphans, and but we're adopted into the family of God, and we're invited to his table. I, I, I think that there's really no greater picture of fellowship. I don't know. It's just, it's all of human history is that when you have fellowship, you like to eat. Uh, the early church did it. Uh, Abraham and his, uh, those that he, in his culture associated with did it, that when you had a covenant uh, relationship, you entered into a meal. And I just think God likes to eat personally. That's my opinion. I, I, I talked about Chick-fil-A too much on Sunday morning and I made some people hungry. Uh, but here's point number one today, as we look at the story, is that when we talk about hosting heaven, that there's something on our part that we can do to, to deepen our relationship with God. God has made a way for all of us to know him. And sometimes we kind of look at some people and think, well, they're more spiritual than me. Uh, maybe they know more of the Bible or they pray many more hours or whatever. And, 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 but here's the reality that, that all of us are invited to the Father's table. Everybody has that same invitation. It's not as if God picks and chooses, well, I like this person better than this person. All of us are available to come to the, to, to the table. The question is, many people don't, don't fully, even when we've accepted the invitation to know Jesus, sometimes we just kind of have this transactional relationship. We, we've received forgiveness of salvation and then we stop there. Are, are you with me? Let, me? let me put it in these terms. You know, when I married my wife 14 years ago, it wasn't, our marriage was not about a wedding day. That was the starting point. But it was about a relationship that we would have for our lives together. And that's what God's after. He's after, in fact, you go from, we'll look a little bit, at Genesis all the way to Revelation, you see this, this theme that God wants relationship. That's what he's after. The reason he forgives us and the reason he's made a way for us to have a home in heaven is so that we can know him. And we can have a relationship with God. So, so Abraham does something that I want to highlight tonight. Number one is this. Set the table. Set the table with what God is looking for. You know, it's just true. It's just human nature. I see this especially in relationships. You know, we tend to give to others what we ourselves are wanting. Are you with me? That's why some people are frustrated in their relationships because they don't understand why people don't appreciate what they're, what they're giving to them because maybe what they're saying or, you know, some people, you know, the, the love languages, some people have different ways they feel and recognize being loved. And so, so sometimes we tend to because, you know, honestly, that's just how we, we think about ourselves. Uh, we, 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 we think other people all think like us. Nobody in here ever does that, right? And so, so we tend to give what we want ourselves. In fact, this is something we see in the very beginning with, uh, with Cain and Abel. Abel brought to God what God wanted. Cain brought to God what Cain wanted. And, and he accepted one sacrifice, not the other, not because God is somehow capricious or, you know, likes one person over the other. It was that, that one responded to God with what was 
expressed as the will of God, number one, but was God's heart in that moment. And so I want you to see this because when we set the table for God, we find out what God's looking for. We find out what God's after, what moves the heart of God, what, God, what, what attracts the, the heart of God uh, to our situation. So Psalm 132, I gave this during our prayer night, encounter night, but Psalm 132, verse 3, uh, David said this, he was a man after God's own heart. He was a fighter, he was a warrior. In fact, probably one of the most successful in Israel's history. Uh, Israel became, it reached its high point as a kingdom because of David. But David wasn't just a fighter, he was a worshiper. He, he could take on Goliath because he knew God. And here's what he says, surely I will not go into the chamber of my house or go up to the comfort of my bed. I will not even give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until, until what? Until I find a place for the Lord. He says, I'm recognizing there's some distance right now. I'm recognizing in my own relationship, I feel a distance. Not that God is, is, has left or God's forgotten or God's far away, but there's this, this fellowship missing. And, and David recognizes this in the moment. He says, I'm going to do whatever it takes to find a place for God. I, I'm, I'm going to clear my schedule. I'm going to pursue him until I come close. That's, that's what it means to set the table, to, to, to draw, to invite him, to invite God close. And here's what he says. Verse 7, let us go into the tabernacle. Let us worship at his footstool. We saw last week how when we set the table, we set the table with our worship, with our praise. That's why for us, you know, praise and worship isn't just a warm-up for a message. We're hosting him. Are, are, are you with me? We're hosting him. And, and sometimes in worship, there's, there's areas that God will challenge me to push a little bit harder, push a little bit further, because, because what God's after is my heart. God is after us getting outside of our comfort zone. Well, that's just not my personality. Well, well listen, there's a lot of times that I've been married, as I mentioned, 14 years. And there's sometimes I've found out that there's just things that my wife likes that I'm just not interested in, like vacuuming. I found out that the key to my wife's heart is the vacuum. <laughs> Amen. That's that, I learned that. Some of you guys, that was worth the price of admission right there. Change your whole marriage. Get you a vacuum cleaner and start using it, guys. Anyway, so, <laughs> but, but here's, here's, here's the thing. So, so I may not have that same interest that she has, but I found out that's what, you know, she likes when I vacuum. So when I found that out, man, I started vacuuming. Come on. And worship isn't about my personality. Now, I could, I could say to Jenna, that's just not my personality. <laughs> it's just not my personality to vacuum, actually. I, I thank God for my wife because it probably wouldn't have been enough. Um, but here's, here's what we find out. Uh, God, God is drawn to the heart of worship. When we present ourselves, and worship is not, yeah, I can't sing. No, at least nobody else likes to hear me sing but Jesus. But, but here's, here's the reality. We can all be worshipers. It's when we respond with love to God. And it's not just the beginning of the service where we're singing songs together. It's when we present ourselves to God. That's what God's after. So here's what he says. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, to your resting place. You in the ark of your strength. I love what Abraham does. He says, don't pass by. Please don't pass by. I think of, of in Mark, the Gospel of Mark, when, when Jesus is resurrected and he's traveling along the Maus Road and he's talking about the things that have happened and he goes through the scriptures with the disciples who don't yet recognize they're walking with Jesus and, and they don't recognize they're having this God moment. They're just, they think they're just talking to a stranger. And then as they come to their house, this stranger that they don't fully recognize says, I'm going to keep going. But they say, no, come and, come and, come and stay a while. Let's have lunch. 
They invite him. They invite him close. And when they had a meal together in the breaking of bread, they saw that it was Jesus. What's, what's the point? That when sometimes we think, well, you know, God, I want more of you, but we don't make room for more. And when we make, when we set the table and we create a place, I can tell you, whenever we make room for God, he fills. Sometimes that looks like creating a space for, for a, a deeper place of prayer in our, our daily walk. It looks like spending more time in his word, not out of obligation and not out of trying to check off a box, but because we want to be with him, because we want to know him more, because we want to draw closer to God. There's just some things that, that create, I've, I found this, again, God's presence is everywhere. When we talk about the presence of God, we're not saying that he's not certain places. He's everywhere. It's part of his attributes. He's omnipresent. But there's just certain things that I'll say, that, you know, he's everywhere, but he's not experienced everywhere. He's not known everywhere. And, and I want to create an, atm- an environment in my own life, our church, my family, our community, North Iowa. What would happen? I shared testimonies last week of people having encounters with God as people worshiped, people being set free from drugs. So I, I had a girl, um, I, I didn't share this last week. I had a girl that showed up at our church years ago, sat in the back row. She was addicted to meth and heroin. And, and, Normally, there has to be physically a process of coming off of those. She's totally addicted to both of these. In the back of the room and during worship, in the presence of God, nobody's even prayed for her yet. She gets touched by the presence of God. God sets her free. Years later, she's sharing. She's in a job interview, and they're asking about because she had a record. And they're asking about her, her story, and she says, well, this is where I was. And they said, well, what drugs did you take to get off of those drugs? <laughs> I, I don't know. There was, there was, there was, I was addicted, and then there was Jesus. (laughs) She actually said in her job interview, worship the presence of Jesus, you know, and she just, so, so I love that. But Ephesians chapter four kind of sets, we get clues of this and indications throughout the Bible, throughout the word of God, of, of just things that create an environment that are sometimes I'll say, um, not conducive to a closer relationship with God. Here's, here's just a few. Ephesians chapter four, verse 26, be angry and do not sin. You know, you can be angry, but not sin. So anger by itself is an emotion. That's not a sin. It's what we do with it. Are you with me? It's how we respond. It's, it's how we allow that to affect us. And he gives a very, I didn't plan on having a marriage message tonight, but here's another good point. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. My wife and I, we decided at the beginning of our marriage, we had really good counsel, don't go to bed angry. I tell people that's why I look so tired all the time. (laughs) Nor give place to the devil, nor give place ground territory, but let him who stole steal no loss. So whatever the issue, he says, get that out, get get free of that, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Some things that, sometimes the hardest thing for God to get a hold of is not anything else in our life, but our our words, our mouth. Okay, I'll just let that sit for a second. Okay, but, but it, what is good for necessary edification, then it may impart grace to the hearers. Your words actually impart something. This is, this is important because when I, I, I've counseled people that still are carrying the weight of words that were spoken to them, sometimes by people that are long since dead. Because words don't just, it's not just sounds in the air, it imparts something. 
And here he says, your words can impart grace. Your words can lift people up or tear them down. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. And here's the key I want you to see, verse 30. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So the Holy Spirit's with you as a believer. He's in you. But I want you to recognize this. There's some things that grieve the Holy Spirit. And all these things we've read about and, and many more grieve the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It means it, 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 it's, it's like it hurts the heart of God. So God doesn't, you know, tell us certain things are bad because, you know, he's trying to keep us from something. It's because there's certain things that are not helpful for us or life-giving. And, and so, so God wants to be close to us. He wants us to know him. He wants to have, be free and, and have a close relationship with him. So, so here's what he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So as a Christian, when we sin, there's this recognition that something's not right. And it's a good thing to feel bad about that, but what you do with that matters. So, so condemnation is when we, the enemy uses that feeling to bring shame and, and push you from God. But that feeling, that conviction of the Holy Spirit that I've grieved the heart of God is meant to draw me close to God. Are, are you with me? And so a lot of people don't respond to God. They allow shame to come into the equation. And shame itself is actually creates distance. There's nothing that God wants. Jesus did not die on the cross for distance. So whatever you're feeling, have done, whatever it is, draw near to Jesus. Don't run from God, run to, run to God. Uh, so here's what he says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speak, all this stuff, just put it away. Here's what we do. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. What is this, what, what's the point? When you're doing this, when you're creating an environment, you're saying, God, I'm setting the table for you. I want to be close to you. And, and, and that, all of these things create that environment. There's another response that we can have with the Holy Spirit, and that's in 1 Thessalonians 5.19. It says, do not quench the Spirit. Don't, and he specifically says, don't despise prophecy. So, so when we quench, it's like putting out a fire. That the Holy Spirit starts something in my life and it ignites in my life. And there's a passion in my walk with God when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are, are in operation in my life. When we quench the Holy Spirit, it's when, when God's wanting to ignite something and I'm wanting to put it out. Are you with me? And so both of these are, are responses that, that we see in relationship. That as we walk with God, we find out there's some stuff that's pleasing to God and some stuff that's not. And so I want to do more of the stuff that he likes. Are you with me? Not because of some obligation or because of some religious pressure or a, this is what I have to do. It's because in relationship, I love God and he loves me and I want to draw close. So we set the table. All right. Revelation 3.20, Jesus said this about the church. Church in a place called Laodicea. This verse I want you to see. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. So here's the picture. Jesus is actually on the outside of the church, which is really sad. But, but the other thing is he's knocking. He's, he's knocking and he's wanting closeness. I don't know how he ended up on the outside. I think they just got used to. In fact, if you look at the Laodicean church, they were used to, in, they had something different than other churches that he deals with in Revelation. Some of them had persecution and deception and all this other crud. The Laodicean church, their danger was probably the worst. And the reason it was the worst is because it wasn't obvious that they were in danger. They had something very terrible called indifference. Indifference creates a hardness in my heart. 
Indifference shuts the door in areas of my life to God that God wants to move, but I don't realize I've shut the door. I've just stopped allowing him to work there. And indifference is probably, I think, the most dangerous because it's, it's what is the most subtle. Jesus is at the door and he's knocking. He says, I want to, I want to draw close. So if I'm not as close to God today as I've ever been, then I want to see what areas of my life have I shut the door and, and, and open that up to him. So he, he opens the door. He says, come in and dine with me. So number two, point number two. Let's go back to the story of Abraham. Uh, you were created and redeemed for friendship with God. You were created for and redeemed. Redemption, Jesus went to the cross because our sins separated us from God. But you see in the very beginning, God walks with Adam in the garden. At the very end of the book, Revelation, the end goal is that we would be his people and he would be our God. Like that's, the, that's what he's after. He's after relationship. And so when we look at the story of Abraham, I want us to kind of jump ahead and then we'll, we'll jump back. I, I put it out of order. But verse 16, God's going towards, he's, he's going to send his angels, but he's going towards Sodom and Gomorrah and he's about to bring judgment to that city, those cities. But here's what I want you to see. As God's about to do something, he recognizes he has a friend there. Verse 16, the men rose from there and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them uh, to send them on their way. And the Lord said this, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Since Abraham will become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. He, he goes on, and he says, and, and I've known him that he may teach his children. But here's, here's what I want you to catch. He says something in this moment. Abraham, or, or God says of Abraham, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? It's, it's sad to me, I hear this all the time, people talking about the will of God as this unknowable mystery that's probably not in my favor. <laughs> are, you, are you with me? I know it's easy for us to pray for other people and go, okay, God, heal them, God, help them, God, set them free. But then when we deal with us, it, it, it is harder. And you know why? Because we know us. We go, oh, I didn't pray enough. Yeah, I just argued with my spouse in the car on the way to church. N- nobody in here, okay. Um, you know, I, I, and, and we, we go through the list of all, and we talk ourselves out of believing that God's for us. And, and the basis of God's will is never my opinion of myself or what I think about good or bad. And can, can I just help somebody? It, on my best day, it's not enough. <laughs> But Jesus is enough, and he's provided forgiveness and redemption, and God does so much in our lives, not on the basis of did we do it well enough today, but because of what Jesus has done. So when we're praying for something, we're praying the will of God is his word, and it's what his word says about us and, and towards us. And so, but I want you to catch this, because God says, and I love this, God says, it's not, I, I can't hide what I'm doing from Abraham. I got to tell him. I got to let him know. Have you ever had something important in your life happen and you just want to call somebody? You just want to tell somebody? Well, we used to do that before social media. Now we tell everybody who doesn't want to know anyway. <laughs> My pastor had a picture uh, the other day. It was funny when the Facebook uh, and Instagram crash happened. It was a picture, or it was a post that said, uh, it said, you know, social media is down, so my neighbor came and showed me their dinner. They brought it to my door. 
What would we? What would the world be like if nobody knew what we had for dinner? Okay, I want you to catch this. It says in Isaiah forty-one. Let me go through this quickly. Isaiah forty-one, verse eight. But you, O Israel, are my servant Jacob, whom I've chosen, the descendants of Abraham, my friend. This is God Himself speaking of a man. He says, "This is my friend." What does it look like to be a friend of God? Psalm twenty-five, fourteen. The secret of the Lord. I think New Living Translation says friendship with the Lord is with those that fear God, that honor God, that worship God. And to them, he will show his covenant. God wants to reveal something to you and I in relationship. He wants you to know his will and purpose. But that comes out of relationship. It comes out of knowing him. John 15, this is New Testament, John 15, 15. No longer do I call you servants. Jesus is sitting at a table with his disciples. And he says, no longer do I call you servants. Why? Because they would stop serving? No, actually, they were just about to see Jesus. Or I think it just happened. He washed the feet of the disciples. He says, I'm serving. I'm the king. I served. And you're going to serve. But he says, I'm not calling you servants. Why? Here's the difference between a servant and what he's about to call him. He says, I'm calling you friends. What's the difference between a servant and a friend? Well, he tells us in verse 15. Do we have that? Yeah. Verse 15. Look at this. For a servant does not know what his master's doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father, I've made known to you. God likes to reveal him, his, his, his purpose and his will to those that become friends. So Jesus has made a way for us to know God, but it's up to us to develop, to take it further, to, to have relationship, to have fellowship, to have friendship, to set the table. Psalm 103, 7. Jason, if you want to start getting ready. Psalm 103.7, it says of Israel, they, they saw the Red Sea part, one of the greatest miracles in history. Saw the Red Sea part, saw people saved from Egypt, delivered from plagues and protected, and all these things happen. And yet, some people didn't become friends. It says that Israel knew the acts of God. They saw the miracles. I'm thankful for the miracles. I'm thankful for what God's done in our midst, even this last month. I'm thankful for miracles. God's got so many more. He really does. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But I want you to catch this because Moses knew the heart of God. It says Moses knew his ways. Do we have that? Psalm 103, verse 7. He, God made known his ways to Moses. In other words, God's saying, I'm going to let you in on what I'm doing. I'm not going to keep, I want to have relationship with you. I want to show you my purpose and my will. That's what God's after. Third and final point. Let's go back a couple verses. I want you to see what happens. Um, hosting heaven. This is a longer one, so keep that on the screen for a minute. Hosting heaven positions you to receive what you are looking for. See, it starts with giving to God what he's looking for. But you know, the Bible says that those that delight themselves in God first, he actually gives us the desires of our heart. I, I found that as I've spent time with him, my desires have changed over the years. What's important to me has changed. But what I really want and what I really need God says, I'm going to take care of. I, I, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to bring it to pass. Our job is to delight in him. 
Well, how do I find God's will for my life? How do I, how do I make this happen? How do, I, how do I start this? How do I do that? Well, just start with him. Because if I start with him, can I tell you how we started with River City Church? It happened a year before I moved here. Just got with Jesus. Because as we spend time with him, he takes care of the rest. See, we sometimes try to figure out how to make everything happen instead of spending time with him first. Abraham and Sarah's greatest desire of their heart was to have a child. The greatest need of their life. Not only that, but the, the greatest unfulfilled promise. Abraham's name means father of many nations. Kind of doesn't make sense when you have no kids. Are you with me? And Abraham and Sarah, watch this, verse 9. As they prepared the table, they say to Abraham, Hey, where's Sarah, your wife? And he says, Well, she's here in the tent. And the Lord says, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah, in in parentheses there, says, says she was listening to this conversation. Now, in case you don't know, verse 11 is going to help us understand how impossible that is. Abraham and Sarah were old, verse 11. Why don't you tell us bluntly? (laughs) and they were well advanced in age I like that term better I like saying I'm not getting old I'm getting advanced well advanced in age and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing therefore Sarah laughed within herself have I grown old shall I have pleasure my Lord being old also in other words like how, how could this ever happen I'm old my husband oh he's definitely old and, and, and the Lord said to Abraham, I like this. God says, verse 13, why did Sarah just laugh? <laughs> and then, then I, I, I didn't have this in my notes. You know, she starts arguing with God. I didn't laugh. Oh, yeah, you did. Do you know Abraham, Abraham, when he first heard the promise from God, it actually says this. It's in the Bible. You can look it up. He fell on his face and laughed. So like this is a recurring problem for this family. But I want you to see what God's response is. Verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? I I don't know what your need is, what you've been praying for, what you've been believing God for. But I just want to remind you tonight, is anything too hard for the Lord? And, And we know that if you know the story, God provided a son named Isaac to Abraham and Sarah. All three of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, were married at first to women who couldn't have children. And yet all of them had a promise, you're going to have a child. Every one of them. Rebecca, Rachel, they couldn't have children. God provided children. God, God, don't ever look at your situation and determine what God can or can't do based on what's going on. Mm. Let me pray for you. Would you stand to your feet? Jesus said something one time that his disciples thought, how is that possible? He said this to the one that raised the dead, opened blind eyes, opened deaf ears, cleansed the leper, did all that. And they still, they said, how is this possible? Jesus said, with man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. 
And so we start with setting the table. A place for him. We draw near to God. We make room for God in our life. And God always meets us. He's so good. My, my counseling has simplified after 17 years of ministry. More and more, my advice is almost always becoming the same. Not because it's overly simplistic, but it solves a lot of our issues. Not all of it, but, well, yeah, it does. But here, here, <laughs> I understand there's nuance, but here's, here's my advice. I still get messages from people all over the country that I've pastored over the years. They're like, what do I do about this? And I always start with the same thing. Go be with Jesus. Go talk to him about it. Go spend time with God. Sometimes what we need is to worship, to get in his word. Sometimes we need to start making a difference in the lives of other people. Whatever it is, we start, as we do that, God begins to fill our life. As we get our eyes off of ourselves, sometimes that's, that's all we need. But, but here's, here's the thing. No matter what the need is or the problem is, he's the answer. And he'll point you to what needs to change or what needs to happen, and he'll bring the answer. And maybe you're praying for something that you still haven't seen happen yet. Just go, wait, listen, if I have to wait, it's a lot better to wait with Jesus. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you tonight that as we've hosted you in worship as we've prayed and sought you God that you are so faithful to meet us and that tonight you're drawing near you're drawing near to the brokenhearted. you're drawing near to those that are in deep need you're drawing near to those that are hurting those that are praying for lost loved ones those that need healing in their body those that need freedom from something they've, they've not been able to shake. But God, no matter what the issue is, we draw near to you, the one who's our healer, the one who's our provider, the one who's our protector, our defense. When people are saying stuff about us, we run to the stronghold, who's our defense. When, when, when we're hurting, we come to the healer. When we're carrying burdens, we come to the burden lifter. God, and I I pray right now for whatever is weighing heavy on people's hearts tonight, that they would remember, is anything too hard for the Lord? I'm going to ask our prayer team to come up front. And if you have a need here tonight, we want to pray with you. We have a God who heals. We have a God who sets free. We have a God who moves mountains. Maybe what you need in your life is more of him maybe you've been asking for never been baptized with the holy spirit and you're asking for more we want to pray with you tonight team would love to pray with you if you need healing we want to pray with you i'm gonna ask the worship team they're gonna lead us in a song as we close but come on down we would love to pray with you whatever the need is if you don't have a relationship with god you've never said yes to jesus i want you to come down we just want to pray with you They're going to very simply ask you what you're up for prayer, and they're going to lead you based on that. Come on down as we worship. We believe this message will be encouraging and timely. 
To connect with us, find us on social or at rivercitychurch.co.